I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I am so excited to have my next guest here. We have Dan Dembski, who is the co-founder and CEO of Unbound Merino, and I'm thrilled to have him here to talk to us not only about Unbound Merino and what they're doing, all the cool stuff that they are doing in this incredible, versatile, high-performance, sustainable clothing line for men and women made from soft merino wool. We'll talk a little bit more about that, but also just everything that he's done to really stand apart. Uh, One of the things that I remember when he was first getting started was the small crowdfunding uh, campaign that I remember he had done. I want to talk about that. And uh, he's also created an incredible virtual nomad uh, type of company that we're going to get into that too. So without further ado, uh, welcome, Dan. Hey, how are you? Good, good. Very excited to have you here. Well, it's great to be here. So thanks for having me. Very excited. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about, first of all, about Unbound Merino. Like, let's talk about that. How did this idea come about? Well, you know, I've, I've been an entrepreneur my entire, I guess, adult life, you know, ever since I never finished post-secondary school. I left to start my first business and we grew that a little bit. And I felt like I was a prisoner in my own company that I built, even though we grew quite a bit and we had you know years of success. Uh, I felt like I had to work these 16, 17 hour days and I just didn't see an end in sight. And I just felt tired and I felt like this is not a life I want to live. So I felt like I wanted to create something new. And I knew that I wanted to, I'm like, I wish I had a product that I could sell to customers. But just wanting to sell a product to customers is not enough. Like you can't just go start a business and have it work. I was just, I couldn't come up with the idea. I I would sit there with my now business partners who are my best friends. And at least once every one to two weeks, we'd just come up with ideas. We'd have a scrap of paper. We'd say we could, you know, We'd have all these ideas. Some of them were terrible. Actually, most were terrible, but we just kept trying. And it wasn't until I had my own need to pack light. I I was just like so, so annoyed with the burden of luggage when Mm -hmm. I traveled. I thought, you know what? I need to figure out how to pack light and carry just a carry on no matter where I'm going. And I was traveling all over the world. And I did, I read a Reddit post where someone said, when I travel, I wear Merino wool t-shirts because they're antibacterial and they're odor resistant. So I could pack two or three t-shirts instead of packing 10 to 14 if I'm going away for a couple of weeks, because I can rewear them. And even if I can't hit a laundromat, they'll stay clean and fresh every day. And I thought, well, that sounds awesome. I'm going to go find some Merino wool t-shirts. And I found some and I fell in love with the material because the material performed as promised. But what I didn't love is the brands that were out there. 
not because they weren't great, good brands. They were great brands, but the clothing was made for going like on a trip, like outdoors, mm-hmm. you know, maybe if you're going hiking or portaging or, you know, maybe a little bit more of an active wear look with a reflective logo. And I found that when my travels, I, I did go on hikes, but I also went to nice cocktail bars or a nice restaurant. So I need, I was hoping to find a line of clothing that had this miracle fabric, but had the versatility to do like the different things that I did when I traveled and I couldn't find it. So that was it. I'm like, I want this to exist and it doesn't exist. And I've been looking to start something. I'm like, I'm going to make this. And this is going to go one of two ways. Either there's going to be a lot of people out there that are just like me that travel around and this would be a huge problem solving thing for them or there aren't but either way i'll scratch that itch i'll see if this works and worst case scenario is it doesn't work i'll have a box of prototype t-shirts that i wanted to exist anyway and and that's a win for me so we did it uh we scraped together a crowdfunding campaign because that was the only way that we could figure out how to bring this to market and turns out there were a lot of people just like me you know we we tried to sell thirty thousand dollars worth of clothing in our first crowdfunding campaign in that first month and we ended up selling four hundred thousand. amazing and since then it's been growing and now we're selling in over 100 countries around the world that's that's wild so merino wool i think a lot of people hear the word wool and they're like oh that's going to be very itchy um mm-hmm. so what just describe it to people how it's different than than that because it clearly is not itchy well, that's what I thought too. I'm like, wool, do you mean like a, a beanie or a big heavy scarf? Like how can that, that how's that comfortable clothing that you can wear, you know, out for a walk? But the merino fiber is super fine. So if you the super fine merino wool garments feel closer to like a cotton t-shirt than it does to like a wool sweater. So you know, it's it's shocking to some people, but it's it's really light. It's 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 softer than cotton and it's more temperature regulating. So it's like the most comfortable t-shirts you'll ever wear, which is weird. When you when you put it on, you're like, this is wool? That's strange. Yeah. And do you have... How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn, quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip, Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, 
Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think, and makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. To describe that, is that probably one of the biggest hurdles uh, when people to, to actually buying the product is the education? Um, not so much. I mean, when you see it, you can tell what it is. Yeah. You know, you look at people wearing a t-shirt, like that looks like a, it looks like a nice t-shirt. It doesn't look like wool. It doesn't look fuzzy. It doesn't look itchy. Um, we do have that language to tell people like it's not itch, but no, it's not. I think people get it. And I think 
you know, there are a lot of great brands that do merino wool for different purposes. And I think as more people are discovering just how great of a fabric it is, like it, the, there's a word of mouth aspect of people discovering this. And I found when we first started this business, there are basically just two camps of people. There are people who already knew and loved merino wool and they loved it. They had tons of merino wool, like, oh yeah, it's all I buy. Mm-hmm. And then there are people who didn't know it existed. And I think the, I think the camps are, 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 are of people who know and love merino wool. That's really expanding rapidly as the years go by. It's very cool. So it's been very much word of mouth when your company and the growth and people seeing uh, you wearing the product and then other people are saying, hey, what is that shirt? And and so do you find like that's really how you got the word out about the product? Well, we're good at marketing. So uh-huh. that, that helps, right? But the word of mouth is far more powerful than even our best marketing. And I would say we're pretty good at it. Um, I always notice this every year because a lot of people in the holiday season, obviously they're doing a lot of shopping. There's a lot of gift giving. And in my previous businesses, I would always feel this lull in business come end of January into February. But in this business, it's different. We get this huge uptick. And what we've realized is there's so much gift giving and there's so much there's so much consumerism through the holiday season that people buy a lot of our stuff. And when they try it and they see that it works and they go on that trip with it, they start telling their friends about it. So every single, you know, Every single time at this time of year, right in January to February, there's a swell of new people coming in and we feel that sort of word of mouth. So word of mouth has been the biggest thing for us uh, beyond our marketing because, you know, it's not a cheap product, but it really, really is an unbelievable product as far as its performance goes, right? So people feel the need that they want to justify to their friends. If you go and buy this shirt and they're like, this shirt has changed, literally changed the way I travel and pack and I'll, I'll never check luggage again. People like to share that story with their friends and say like, when you're, oh, you're traveling, you have to try this. You have to try this. It's, there's a good story in it. So word of mouth has been huge for us. That's huge. And how many products did you actually start with? We started with just two. So we had two styles of t-shirts mm-hmm. and each t-shirt had two colors and we had a pair of boxer briefs and a pair of socks. And that was it. That's wild. Yeah. Now we've expanded a lot. You know, we have... Uh, I, I don't know exactly how many different products off the top of my head, but 400 SKUs, you know, through the yeah. different sizes, which is for a clothing brand that's still small, but, you know, it's uh, drastically larger than when we started. But it was what we had to start was in, it was all built on this premise of what are the items of clothing that you could put in your luggage that would reduce the most amount of other stuff. So how do you get it from that luggage that you need to check to a carry on? And t-shirts was the biggest one because 14 t-shirts, that's a lot of space. That will fill up a whole carry-on. But three t-shirts won't. And you need to have room for your pants and your underwear and everything else. So the whole premise was how could we reduce the most amount of stuff? How could we have the most versatile stuff by keeping it into that carry-on and serving people who travel so they could travel well and travel light, but have everything they need and not feel like they don't have enough stuff. So what were you doing exactly before you were talking about, do you want to share a little bit about that? I mean, what knowledge did you have about direct to consumer and prior to launching a physical goods company? Um, Well, I had a, 
video production agency and we worked with large brands. So we had some video production and photography abilities, which did help us Mm -hmm. in our marketing, but not so much. I mean, as far as, as direct consumer, I, I, I cut my teeth a little bit with some of my friends' companies helping them out. So I became a partner in a, in a vinyl skins company and the vinyl skins, it's, it's skins that you'd put on smartphones, laptops, Mm -hmm. gaming consoles, and I was not the founder of that, but I became a partner and I helped build it and then got bought out. And that was a really, really epic journey to sort of get a little bit of an understanding of the world of e-commerce. And that company just absolutely took off. And then I started a funky sock company, which didn't really get it off the ground. We had a little bit of traction at first, but we ended up doing more wholesale. So I was doing a little bit of product stuff, but this was completely new to me and getting into the apparel business. I had no business getting into this business. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. Like yeah. there's a way to do things and yeah. we didn't do any of that. So there's, you know, when you, when you produce clothing, you have a tech pack and you make paper patterns and there's, it's a, it's a method of how you work with manufacturers to get the clothing done. What we did is we went to stores. We liked like H and M and, Zara Gap and we bought shirts and we're like, you know, me and my two business partners, we all were a size medium, but we all had different body types. So Andrew, he's the the fit athletic body guy in the company. Dima was the lanky one. And at the time I was about 20 pounds heavier and it was not, you know, it wasn't muscle mass. It was just, you know, it was a spare tire, but we all wore medium. So we had, we had three different body types and we went onto the stores and we'd each get a medium t-shirt from let's say H&M and we'd all try it on. And we'd look at it and say, like, what? you know what? The, 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 the sleeves look good on all of us. It's like, we like the sleeves, but the body doesn't really fit me well. It fits Andrew out, but like, we like the sleeves. So we bought that shirt and we stapled a post-it note and said, the sleeves on this one we like. <laughs> and then we went to Gap and we're like, we like the neck. And we stapled the post-it note on that. And we shipped it off to a manufacturer and we had them Frankenstein together, our first prototype, which fit awful. And we would then go back and forth with them and say, can you make the sleeves a little bit tighter, make the body a little bit less boxy, just like explaining it until we kept getting our prototype back until it was good. And that was it. That was how we made our first prototype. That's probably the most inefficient and not industry standard way of doing what we do, but it got us there. And that's how we started. And as we started to grow and sell, we were able to figure out, oh, wait, this is how things are supposed to be done. So I wouldn't have done it differently, but we didn't need to go to like fashion school to learn how things are done. We just, we just, we just got moving and it worked. Yeah. Well, I think you spoke about, you know, you had worked with other startups and other industries. I, as I've always said, like the, the biggest competition for any company out there are the people that are willing to go and take the risk and do the crazy stuff, as you just described, um, that typically come from outside of an industry that have an idea and they're just going to go figure it out, right? They just yeah throw it out. Yeah, there. you have to have the you have to have the uh, the drive to think that you can do something, and almost sometimes being naive helps. In our in our situation, we were naive, like getting into the. Cl- clothing business to a lot of people I know who are in the clothing industry, when they hear this story, they were thinking, it's a, it's a miracle that you made it yeah. like, because you had no idea what you were doing. But the thing that when I look back on my experience that really worked for us and the, the thing that made me confident that we should 
go through with this idea was the feeling that the timing was right. I told you about the vinyl skins company. My friend started that business and that's a very, very big company now, but he started it when he, someone commented on his, he had these beats by Dre headphones and he, he, this was when Beats by Dre first came out. They were the coolest thing in the world. And he was on his university campus and he just spent $400 on these headphones and he thought they were so cool. And when he was on his campus, he noticed everyone had the same headphones and he thought, oh my God, everyone has these. And he didn't think they were so cool anymore. So he had a pocket knife and hockey tape and he cut the hockey tape and he perfectly skinned these headphones so they looked entirely matte black. And someone went up and they looked really cool. Like he did a perfect job and someone went up to him and said, wow, those are beats by Dre headphones. He's like, yeah. He's like, where do you get the skin for those? And he's like, skin, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, is that like a vinyl skin? And he didn't even know what skins were. And then he discovered, wow, there are companies that sell these. So he went online and he bought a skin for his phone. He bought a skin, uh, different skins for his beats by Dre headphones. And he thought they were terrible. And he's like, how are these so bad if I made ones that were so good with hockey tape and a pocket knife? So he started buying from all the companies that made skins and he realized everyone that sells skins does them terribly. He's like, I got to start a business that does this. So he did it. And now it's the biggest in the world at what he does. And my other friends, they had a similar story with hair extensions when they had a terrible experience buying hair extensions for their destination wedding. um, My friend's now wife wanted to have hair extensions the customer service, the inventory, the whole process of buying them online were terrible. So she thought we could do this, but have great stock and great selection and great customer service. We could do this in a way that other people aren't doing it. And that became a very successful company. So the pattern I saw with those two was like everyone else was doing it poorly or not in the way that they wanted it to be done. So when I had that experience with the Marina Wool t-shirts, that was the, the green light for me. It's like, I felt like, like this is just like D brand skins or Luxie hair. Um, it's that moment where I'm like, no, people aren't doing it the way I want it to be done. Mm-hmm. No one's shipping, you know, versatile, simple t- Marina wool t-shirts that I can wear out to a cocktail bar, but also on that hike, I got to do it. And I've had this sense of urgency. I'm like, I need to do it. I need to do it now. It was the timing window. So I think that's the one thing that worked out the best for us is, is, is just in that moment, we were able to f- solve that problem and we went right for it. Yeah. And I, you're touching on this, but I think that when you actually have all the right experience, you've learned the way that things are done and you won't do things other, other ways. Right. So, yeah, and, fair. and that is, uh, you know, that's why innovation is so hard within companies because you're, you're just, you're almost brainwashed into thinking that, um, things are done that way. When I developed Hint, nobody was doing a water with fruit in it without putting preservatives in the mm. product. They were putting sugar and lots of other stuff in it, but I didn't want to use preservatives in the product. So I kept, you know, looking at other things like coffee and things that were not using preservatives. And could I use heat in order to? get that same kind of feel for preservatives. I had no idea what I was doing. I was in direct-to-consumer for Mm. years at America Online and media at CNN, like no experience in in beverage, but I wanted this product. And so I just kept 
plugging away. And today, uh, Hint is still the uh, largest unsweetened um, flavored water. We use, you know, real stuff in it, and it's, uh, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, that's that's exactly that's exactly the you had the the same experience in a different industry with a different product as I had. Is the, the similarity is you just wanted that thing to exist. Yeah, totally. That's it. It's sometimes it's that simple. It's like you want. It's like wanting to have a successful business is it doesn't there's no reason to think that you're the, the, there's nothing there. Yeah. You have to want something like something needs to exist for the sake of people will actually want this. And if you really want it, you're people I'm people. I'm so much. It's amazing. Cause when I, when I travel, I often go to a city. I look up the town to see have people ordered our product in that city. I was in uh, Bogota in Colombia yeah. and I just type in Bogota into the back end of our e-commerce store. And I see the people that have bought and I'll email and say, Hey, I'm the founder CEO of Unbound Marino and I'm in town. Do you want to go get a coffee or a lunch or something? And typically like they love it. Like that sounds great. Yeah. Like what an interesting thing. And I, I, I take them out and treat them and I've done it a handful of times and every single time I love these people, like not because they're my customers, but because they're like me. Yeah. Like I'm so this it's, it's like, I, I'm like me, I am me, but I made this product and a lot of the branding and the, the marketing is kind of was designed to appeal to myself and my business partners because we feel like we're actually the core customer. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of people who are like me apparently. And I think there's a lot of people who have similar problems and similar struggles. So that's a great sign. If you feel like you want something to exist, it's like, how many other people are like you? Yeah. There's probably a lot. Not exactly, but enough. And and having that connection with consumers too sort of leads to, you know, my next point. I'm sure you heard, you're not going to be able to build this. You don't have any experience. Uh, you know, there's a ton of highs and lows being an entrepreneur along the way. Um, a lot of people, uh, in my case, people, you know, sized up whether or not I had come from the industry, whether or not I was going to be able to be successful or not, and they wouldn't mm. run the product. Um, so I don't know if you've had situations like that dealing with manufacturers uh, along the way that, you know, they wanted to figure out like, oh, these guys don't really know what they're doing. How do you get through those hard days? Yeah, that's a good question. So I had a few. So when we were starting the brand, two of my greatest mentors actually didn't believe in it. One of them was a business coach who I admire. And he's like, this is, I told him the whole idea. This was right before we even started anything. He said, Dan, I get it. I love it. But you're not the guy to do this. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and he said, because I told you I had a sock company I was starting. Yeah. And I was sort of like a, you know, it was, and it was, yeah, I couldn't really get it off the ground, but I was also had my video production agency. So I had my, a time split out between these two businesses and I was not doing either of them too well. And he's like, and now you want to add a third. It's like, you have to pick one or the other. Like you have to put your energy into something. And, and, he, and he was right. But I remember going to sleep that night and I was dwelling on that timing thing I was talking about. You know, I'm like, if I don't do this, I'll, I will regret this for the rest of my life. Like I need to figure out how I could do this. And that's why the crowdfunding thing happened. But I'm glad I ignored him. Another one was a, a, a friend of mine who I, he's 10 years my senior. He's really transitioned in his business from being like the founder to like a real CEO of his own company and larger company. And 
He's like, what's proprietary about what you're selling? I'm like, nothing. It's mm. just a brand. It's a, it's a way we're solving the problem. He's like, yeah, I don't like it. Don't think you should do it. Now, this is the, these are the two people I admire the most. Both tell me, don't do this thing. And I was just like, nah, they don't get it. And I don't know. I don't know why I had that. I'm just like, but also I'm just like, I had nothing to lose. I'm like, I'm going to make this thing. It, the process of building is fun. You know, I think that helped. You know, we could have just sat there like on our own trying to make this business work, but we didn't. Me and my two business partners, we'd meet up every weekend. We'd order a pizza. We'd drink some whiskey. We'd give each other homework that we'd bring for the next week. And over a course of a year and a half, we built out this crowdfunding campaign, source manufacturers, built the brand, did photography, but it was all built around these, what we, we called them work parties. It was like we were like partying together. Instead of going out on a Friday night, we got went in on a Friday night. We drank some whiskey, had some pizza. We worked until midnight or one or two or whatever. We were, you know, had maybe one or two too many whiskeys and it wasn't good work anymore. And it was fun. And then we put it out to the world and it worked. So um, I'm glad I ignored those people, but that was just this like, what else am I going to do? And I, I, I'm going to believe in myself. And then, yeah, you get that with suppliers too. You know, when we started this business, I was in my early 30s and some suppliers didn't quite take us seriously at first, but you're like, what am I going to do? Yeah. I could be offended. I don't know. I, I, we, we, pay on, we pay cash on delivery. So over time, they've grew to take us seriously and we built really great relationships. But I think... Uh, building a relationship with these people, even the ones that were apprehensive about us at first, it's like have an open mind and open heart with them, be good at business, treat them well, pay your bills. And over time uh, we became like amazing friends. Like our suppliers are like good friends. I got invited to family weddings and things like that. So over time we got through it. I love it. Obviously uh people's lives changed through the pandemic over the last couple of years. I think a lot more people are, are choosing to travel and um, kind of live virtually. Um, jobs are not necessarily forcing people to come into an office anymore. Have you seen a lot of your consumers kind of talking about that? Or uh, do you feel like you really saw an uplift in how people were living? I, our, our customers have been doing this before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I think there are more people who just now have become our customers, you know, because there are a lot of people who are traveling more And that, you know, when you look for those travel hacks and you go on Reddit and you do some Googling, like a lot of times you'll come to products and brands that are, that are brand or similar brands. Um, so that market is definitely growing. And I noticed it in my own travels. Uh, you know, I work at, different co-working spaces when I travel hmm. and it's, you know, it, it was a little quieter at one point once upon a time. And now there's just people from all over, you know, I'm like, you meet someone from England and someone from DC and all over the world. Just, there's just, it seems to be, I, the feeling I get anyway, there's more of an abundance of travelers, which is, uh, which has definitely been great for our business. Um, it, is, it has problems with it though. It's kind of like, you know, the world is changing as a result of this. People's desires of how they want to work is changing. It's changing the landscape of cities. Like we were talking about Mexico City before mm -hmm. this call. Um, 
that whole city is changing because there's so many people that have come there and are able to work remote. And they're like, why would I go back to New York or Toronto or San Francisco and pay $8,000 a month in rent when I could be here and save all that money. So it's changing the world. And I, um, yeah, we're catering to a much larger audience of nomadic people and travelers for sure. How many people are in your company now? Uh, full-time there's 15 of us, 15 and, and all over they're based all over the place. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I we it. just like, we built it that way. I mean, that's in our, our name unbound is like, it, it means a lot more than just like the promise of the customer it was the way we wanted to live too. My business partner, Andrew, he, I told him we're in Toronto and he's like, I'm not doing this winter again. So he's off in Sayulita and he's working full-time from there. And he leaves every day at 4 PM to go surfing. And we all try to do that. I mean, we have a warehouse here in Toronto, but aside from that, we're fully remote. I love it. So what's been the biggest challenge for you in building this company? I mean, you've touched on kind of figuring out a lot of things, but what's been really the the hardest stuff that maybe you spent the most time trying to figure out? Well, the first hard thing was finding product market fit. Mm -hmm. But once we got through that and the brand worked and people loved it, it was, then it became operating a business. And I mean, there's operating a business is hard in every corner and challenging and fun in every corner. If there's one thing I would say is the hardest to figure out for us, it's inventory planning because mm-hmm. you have, you know, with lead times, depending and we manufacture all over the world. So we do a lot of stuff locally in Canada, but we also do Portugal, Italy, China, Vietnam, South Korea, all over. And if you have to anticipate your growth, and we've had pretty rapid growth right when we started and all the way until until right now, in the pandemic, the lead times got longer. Mm -hmm. So we had to say, well, we're growing at this rate now. Where are we going to be in eight months? Are we ordering enough stuff? And are we going to have enough cash to order? Like It's always thinking, like, what do we need in eight months? And the lines are expanding. So then you added in a sweater, and then we added in the women's line, and how is that going to sort of cannibalize sales from other products so it's always this like juggling act of trying to figure out like what's the right amount to stock you always want to make sure you have enough in but having too much is more dangerous than not having enough so i feel like that's a challenge it's like a that will never stop like we'll never fully figure it out you'll just get better and better and better at it at controlling and refining but that's the hardest one that takes constant constant work and thinking and planning and yeah, but it's fun. It's fun doing it. No, that's great. Right. Do you, do you feel like there's a lot of seasonality uh, with your products or, I mean, I feel like you're shipping all over the world with all different temperatures. So it's probably, you kind of have to keep everything in stock, right? Yeah, a little bit, but we have less seasonality than the average apparel brand because we are a brand for travel. And a lot of people, when they travel, um, like we're not making the stuff for your skiing trip right. so much as we are like our core products tend to be our t-shirts and our, mm-hmm. our, our lighter layers. So people, when they travel, I mean, I'm from Canada. It gets cold here when I'm traveling in January or February, I'm not going to uh Winnipeg, Alberta, you know, Winnipeg, oh, Manitoba, right. you know, right. I'm going to Mexico. I'm going to Argentina. So I think a lot that, that breaks down seasonality for us a little bit because we're, we're catering to the people who are getting away somewhere and people tend to pick the sun. So. Yeah. Definitely. But there is a little bit of seasonality. We have, 
we have some winter products that come out just in the winter. So what do you wish you would have known when you were launching uh, the company that you just, you know, sort of hit yourself on the head, say, if I, or if I did this all over again, I would have, a lot of people have said, you know, hired faster, um, fired faster, uh, raised more capital, didn't have as many SKUs, had more SKUs. What do you think it would be? I always have a hard time with that question because the only way I learn things is by messing them up. Um, yeah. You know, oh, I wish I had, I wish I was prepared with a better answer. Honestly, no, you're not. Uh, there's prepared, a million but... things that we could do that are better. Yeah. There's a million things we could do that are better. Um, it would have been nice to know that there was going to be a global travel ban in this pandemic. You know, when you're building a travel brand, that sort of caught us off guard a little bit and we had to change our brand for a little bit, but for the most part, um, nothing, Yeah, nothing. I, I, I just think it's like, it's like, cause what, if I can go back and do it all over again, I have all of this knowledge I've accumulated and I'd probably do a lot of things better, but it's like, I don't know. The whole thing is just fun. And every single day I'm truly grateful that I, I get to do hard things and solve hard problems with my best friends because mm-hmm. my two best, my two business partners, as I mentioned, are my, my lifelong best friends. And I love it. It works. It yeah. works. So, and like, I don't know, isn't it fun that we run into walls and one, you know, my business partner is getting mad at me if I'm not making a smart decision. And it's like, cool. It's all, it's like, we we're all in this together. Like we have this healthy ability to like debate with each other. And I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't think I would, I'd probably do everything differently if I had the what I the knowledge I have now when I started, but yeah. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't change the path or the journey. It's it's fun and the build is exciting. How do you guys divide your your responsibilities? We we go back to the drawing board every quarter and we talk about what needs to get done, who's the right person for the job. So it's switched. Like we've all had our hand. Um, when it started, I did custom I did the customer service myself. Then my one business, other business partner did it. And then my other business partner. Now that business partner leads the customer service team that we have. Um, and it's in his, it's in his jurisdiction, but we, every quarter we shuffle around who's going to do what. And it's based on what our needs are and our needs tend to be very marketing focused. So, um, yeah, we just decide, look, what are our goals? Who's going to do them? How we're going to divide and conquer? Who's going to be responsible for? what direct reports and things like that. And it's a constantly evolving thing. What's success to you? Um, Success is having the time to focus on all of the things that you need to grow in the direction you want to grow. It's not, I mean, finance is just, is a tiniest piece of it to me. It's not a big deal. Um, I having time to, focus on the parts of the business I love, mm-hmm. not putting out fires, but on the cool, interesting, challenging business developing aspects of them. If I get to work on that, but I also have time to focus on my health, focus on my relationships, focus on learning and growing and exploring the world. If I have a good balance of that and I'm getting the things done, um, I feel successful. I love that. So last question. So best advice you've ever received? Uh, so this is a cliche. It's a, 
and you've probably heard this a million times, but you are the average of the five people closest to you. I live and die by that. I, I take it very seriously and I make a, a concerted effort to hang around with people who, whose lives I, I, I want to emulate in, in ways, be it if they have amazing family lives or they've been really successful in business or they do really cool adventurous things when they travel or they're great leaders in their company or they spend lots of time reading books. You're around these people and then that sets the the benchmark for how you want to live. Mm-hmm. And that's that's it for me. If if there's one thing I think is important is to surround yourself with people who do great things that you admire and everything else falls into place. I love that. Thank you so much, Dan Dembski, uh, CEO and co-founder of Unbound Merino. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for listening to The Kara Golden Show. If you would, please give us a review and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of our podcast. Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, which I share my journey including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And thanks everyone for listening. Have a great rest of the week and 2023 and goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head-on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.